But I think we always try to think beyond that. How do we reinvent ourselves? How do we, you know, how do we do board form concrete in a different way next time? How do we export this California philosophy to Dubai? How do we reinvent what it means to live in a house, but now you live on a hill? You know, there's all these different things that I think we present to ourselves as challenges that make every project new and unique. Welcome to Titans of Trade. I'm your host, Constance Dunn. And today we welcome a notable architect who's not only an architect, but a partner at design agency KA Design Group in California. Welcome, Duan Tran. Hi, thank you, Constance. And you know, it's funny because I was thinking of introducing you because you are an architect. And I was like, oh, maybe a California contemporary architect. But increasingly, and kind of your origins are not just like a California contemporary guy in terms of architecture. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I so I, I started my career actually in the Midwest. I'm a Midwestern boy that transplanted uh, to Los Angeles 25, 30 years ago. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I guess that's true. So, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's funny for a lot of different reasons. I came out here partly, first of all, just for school. I, I went to USC for, for graduate school. Um, and yeah, I spent a couple of years there and my, my intention at that point in time was to do a couple of years on the West coast and kind of absorb and take in the California lifestyle. And obviously the architecture and design industry is so strong here, but then probably go back to the Midwest or the East coast where most of my family and friends are, but mm -hmm. you know, like so many people, um, best of intentions, you know, and things changed. And, um, I ended up in a wonderful firm that I'm still at, obviously as a part now, K design. And mm -hmm. built up a wonderful relationship with Grant Kirkpatrick, who's the founding partner. And over the years, I've just kind of really found myself invested in what we do and growing with the firm and then really believing in, yeah, the kind of work that we're doing, especially in our community and everything. So it's been a joy and actually kind of giving me a little bit of a second life here, thinking now that I'm actually probably more Californian than not, than uh, right. to be able to kind of operate as an architect, especially in this sphere. So. In many ways, you guys are known as like very high-end California, but increasingly you guys are moving abroad, Dubai, Costa Rica. You're doing right. work in other like climates and territories, which is significant given how much emphasis it's really the focus. The land is the, the main, is the star of the design in right. many ways. What you guys are doing increasingly, it's not a California firm. Well, it is, it is, and it isn't, and, and it's something that you know we've we've talked about at the highest levels because, in a way, we never we never aspire to do work outside of California because, like you mentioned, we were very comfortable as a Southern California firm. There's so many great opportunities here. The climate is is so conducive to the kind of work that we do, especially on our modern end. But mm -hmm. what's been interesting over the last few years, and I would say the last four or five years in particular, is that there's a certain notion. And we've been able to understand this, even especially after we put our, our most recent book called California Contemporary, is that there's so many parts of the world, or even nationally, where people think of California as an adjective. That's how they describe things. I want a Californian da 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 da. And when we started to dig further into it, it transcended the fact that it had to be Los Angeles based or San Francisco. But there were certain themes and design values that people, even outside of Southern California, were appreciating. You know, notions of warm modernism, uh, notions about lifestyle-driven design, notions, notions of just uh, contextual materials and a connection to nature. And those kind of things which we've been able to adopt and kind of uh, use as our DNA as kind of Californian architects 
it's been fun to be able to explore as people from Dubai, folks in Washington, D.C., you know, places in Costa Rica where our clients have come to us and have asked us to interpret that California lifestyle in these different client climates. So in particular here, this, this project that you brought up, uh, which is really kind of a special one for us that we took on about three or four years ago. And actually, they're just starting to get construction. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing works out. But this is a project in Dubai. It's a significant villa. Uh, with exhaustive uh, uh, landscape site amenities. And for this particular client, uh, they were wanting somebody with a California or international flavor. I mean, there's a, definitely an aesthetic that currently exists in Dubai that's not very westernized. There's a lot of traditional values and an, an architectural vernacular that exists. And so what they were looking for was somebody who was able to promote a lot of these Western values about use of material. How do we open up the house? How do we explore and push out the massing of the house, cantilevered eaves, things that like these kind of elements that really push the ideas of California optimism. And so for this particular client, you know, thankfully they had a certain wherewithal to be able to explore that and to tap onto us. But this was a great example about how we were able to interpret those California elements into what is a very different environment culturally, as well as climatically. And, uh, and we'll see how it works out. But we're, we're very excited and the clients are very pleased and I think very much looking forward to seeing this project complete in the next couple of years. Right. It's quite dramatic and grand, yet it's very much a KAA house. Um, and those watching on yes. YouTube, of course, can see this. Um, and uh, one of the things I've always noticed about you is that I could mention, uh, you know, 2201 The Strand, or, you know, just some address and mm-hmm. you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. You're an architect, but I have admired that you run a very um, successful, I could say famous firm. Um, when I have spoken with you, you're always very calm and you're very <laughs> focused. So for people that the thought of doing those, both of those worlds, you know, you plan the initiatives of your firm, you run, you know, you run, you have a lot to do with KAA Design Group as an organization, how that organization is going to be structured, how it's running on a day-to-day basis and in the future. So how do you parse those in your mind? Like, do you keep Mm. them separate? Like, how how do you do this wide variety of things every day? Yeah, Yeah, you know, listen, it's such a great question. And I mean, as you know, it's hard to be successful in this business for the longevity of it. Um, and oftentimes, because most architects or designers, it's the whole left-right brain thing, right? Either right. you're creatively inclined or you just have a a, um, a more business-like sense. And it's pretty mm-hmm. rare that you get to put that together. But I, I think that's kind of what's unique about us. You know, I would say between my partners, Grant, Eric, and I, is that, you know, I think the way that we see it, I mean, there's there's no doubt. I think our heart of hearts, we're all designers. We're all very creative. Um, but we've never seen the business part of the firm as a means to an end or it's just something to be done. And I, I do think that there are a lot of architecture design firms that see that as a means to an end. There's a completely set of people mm-hmm. that work on that that work on the business aspects. And then there's the creative. But we, we've kind of taken a much more progressive approach about it is to think about how do we actually design the firm. And, you know, for us, there's just a cultural thread about um, pushing ingenuity um, being creative about not only about how we design, but how do we structure our organization in terms of the fees? Who do we hire? 
it's almost like another design project, right? Versus mm. uh, a business decision per se. And so, you know, uh -oh. I can't say that it's been perfect. There's a lot of risk versus reward versus that. But for, for a firm like ours, that's being able to to be able to kind of tap on and really push on different ideas and think about designing certain aspects of our firm to really be conducive to allow us to do better design work has been has been monumental. And we've seen the the attraction of that over the last 10 or so years. And so in particular, for example, you know, um, when we hire somebody, there's kind of an initial idea. Well, of course, we want to hire a well-rounded architect, you know, somebody that does a little bit of everything very well. And it's it's generally a very safe approach, right? We all want somebody that's well-rounded, that doesn't have, uh, say, a blind spot. But for us, there's times and we've been, you know, exposed to some really interesting young architects. Either they're amazing designers, uh, either they have amazing rendering skills or they're visionaries or they're amazing communicators. They have almost a certain superpower. And what mm. we do, those are the people that we're really interested in hiring, right? It's about how do we bring people in that have certain, a certain amount of elitism or exceptionalism in terms of skill set and how do we nurture mm. that? And then be able to put that together with other people with elite skills. And so it's caused us to develop our team in a way where we have some very focused specialty skills, people that bring elite talents to our design process that will ultimately render projects like Dubai. And we're only able to get there because we're able to put that together with the team that we have. And that's a very different result than if we um, hired somebody that, you know, they might be great. Uh, they might be a great uh, three-dimensional visualization expert, but they're missing this component of it. And so, all of a sudden, you know, somebody that person might not be as attractive because they're not as well-rounded. Well, for us, it's very exciting for us to find somebody who has an exceptional skill and then figure it out within our team environment about how to push that and design that that uh, professional development career path with them. So, so that's kind of one example about how we approach things. It's, it's definitely not to separate the two, but we do see running the business as a design project in many ways. So that's a really great approach. And it's probably one that is, is uh, really mindful of the resources of how much mental energy yeah. can be expanded when you separate or compartmentalize tasks, you know, like if you have to say, yes. okay, yeah, I've been working on, the, on these plans and now I have to go think about, you know, some, right. some internal issue or, or okay that makes a lot of sense and i and i like your idea of assembling kind of like a superhero team because yeah, that's consistent exactly. with the type of work that kaa produces which is right. very kind of right. like um heroic looking not just visually but also with the materials like i wrote about right. a strand home and i cannot remember the address of it but it's like the board form cotton concrete because the real estate agent i was right. talking to was talking at length about the board park and he in fact has right. a ka design home this um right and was talking about this material and could you could you tell us what that is like could you define this one it's a very unique it's kind of unique to yeah, you guys absolutely so yeah yeah. So, so, so the use of board form concrete has actually become one of those go-to materials for us. And, and we love it for a lot of different reasons. I mean, one, there's a structural integrity to it. So most of the homes, especially nowadays, in order for them to pass engineering requirements, there's just, there's a certain level of um, requirement that the city requires for those mm -hmm. things. And so oftentimes because of the heroic nature, as you say, of our homes, where they're large expanses of glass and less walls, 
those walls have to be designed mm-hmm. in a way that where they're really structurally strong. And so concrete ends up being kind of a go-to force. So, so then with that, most of the architects, somebody might go, well, concrete's an ugly material. Who wants to see mm-hmm. it? Let's cover it up. Let's paint it. Let's plaster it over. But we've taken a different approach, which is let's celebrate it. Let's let's honor the fact that it's a concrete, beautiful wall. And maybe there's a way to uh, uh, play with the board forms, which is how they actually create the pour of that. So they usually, basically use wood boards, pour concrete into it, and they pull off the wood boards. And that's what gives the natural graining effect. And there's a lot of different versions of that. And, you know, if you play with vertical, horizontal, random, in and out, there's a bunch of different ways that different architects have been able to play with it. But what it's done is it's it's an opportunity for us to embrace the integrity of the, the use of the material for what it is, but also make it beautiful, right? Not make it an ugly, raw, concrete wall, but bring some natural, organic qualities to it where people are now actually seeking that out. They actually want board-formed concrete walls. They see that as a beautiful element, even though on the surface people might go, wow, why would you want an exposed concrete wall in your living room? Doesn't that feel cold right. and um, you know uh, unapproachable? So, right. so for this particular project, as you mentioned on the strand, that was definitely the the case in point. The clients really gravitated to it. But you know, speaking about just you know team members, you know, so on that particular project, we had a team member that had extraordinary experience doing board form concrete uh, because they had spent some time working with a general contractor a few years in a prior life before coming to K. So we were really able to explore and push the ins and outs about how to really exploit that as a design material versus just kind of mail it in and just say it's a structural wall. And so we would have probably never gotten there had we not had that team member on that project to bring that certain level of expertise and passion to the effort. And so that's just one quick example about being able to tap into people's skill sets and expertise and personal passions. Yeah, I love that. And for this home, I recall that the homeowner or the client had said, and this is through the agents, it's something to the effect of, because it was going to be a family home, a beach home, like it was going to be used and abused every day. And she had said something to the effect of, if a herd of elephants came through here, I would want it to look just (laughs) as good. And the the interesting thing about this home is that I remember it was completed. and And I, again, don't, it had been completed a while back, yet it looked like brand new, like out of the box. So again, to what you're saying with this particular material. And and I love this idea too of where you're going to exploit this um this material that some might hide away. And it reminds me of like a Frank Lloyd Wright or a Neutra or even like Rourke right. from the Fountainhead of like it's it like a building <laughs> must be like a man. Like you can't be ashamed and hide right. things. Do you know what I mean? Like you're putting right. it out there, right? And and it's and yeah. and 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 ex- exploring and positively exploiting this this material that some might want to tuck behind some kind of uh, other material. So yeah, that goes, yeah, I and, think. And it's exactly, <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly that point. I, I mean, we're, we're fundamentally, we, we, we generally be believe in the integrity and the authenticity of the use of materials. And so right. it's pretty rare that we'll do something that's say manufactured or fake. Um, uh-huh. You know, I would need to push this to that another arena. There would need to be some, you know, overwhelming reason to do that. And so, you right. know, even at times where, again, a Strand Beach home, this one in particular that you're talking about, has wood siding on it. And everybody and, on the Strand will say, why are you using wood siding? That's not going to last right. more than a year or two. Well, but right. we, as well as the client, believe in the authenticity of, listen, if we're going to use wood, it should be real wood. And we just really embrace and know that we're just going to have to upkeep it every year or two. It needs to be refinished. It's like, 
keeping your car, getting your oil changed. It's just there's certain right. things that you need to do to maintain it. But for them, that was important to live in a piece of architecture that was authentic versus something that was, say, fake or manufactured. And, you know, that's I think that's one of the elements that I think we take a lot of pride in is is knowing that there's a certain level of craft and authenticity and integrity that comes with our work that's maybe less manufactured at times. So. Right, right. Now, to your superpowers, um, one of the things I, I noticed about you is you are like Midwest, East Coast. I think you worked in D.C. Yeah. And you also have right. like a certificate um, from USC. You have a certificate in like historical preservation. Is that accurate? Is that what right. it is? Right, that right. is, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So th that's interesting. May I ask some of your... Uh, kind of first architectural loves, like I always loved the breakers, you know what I mean? Up in R yeah, Rhode Island, right. Newport, there's, there's a certain colonial architecture, you know, that type of a thing. And and since you have that yeah. background in historic works, I'm curious. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's interesting. I, I it, So it's something that I, I, I fell into during my year two when I was in Washington, D.C., you know, prior to right. moving out to Los Angeles. And I've always appreciated history just as a, a side note, but when you're mm -hmm. immersed in an environment, a community like Washington, D.C., where right. I mean, literally every other building you walk into, George Washington slept here, or Abraham Lincoln had a drink here, you, you start to appreciate the value and how of that. And right. you know, there's things obviously like Mount Vernon and Monticello when you get to experience these things and you realize that you know, I'm fortunate to be able to, and so many other people of our generation are able to visit it, but if somebody didn't keep these things and or there weren't structural uh, uh, rules and guidelines on behalf of the government to protect these buildings, this history would be lost and that would be a, a, a failure. And so mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate it and, and begin to develop the sensitivity to that. And so that became one of my um, my um, my course curriculums when I when I went to USC was to essentially get a minor. They called it a certificate, but a minor in historic preservation as part of my architectural master's degree. And for me, that was really fun to explore because very different than the East Coast, when somebody thinks of something historic in Los Angeles, it's forty years old. It's not two hundred years old, right? And right, but right. What, what that did was it, it really caused me to take a look at what historic meant in Los Angeles, which was essentially to lead to a lot of the the modern case study houses of Neutra and Schindler and the the, the mid fifties, mid sixties modernism, which is historic for Los Angeles, and it yes. gave me a new love and appreciation for West Coast modernism, which is kind of where. I, I think I, 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 when I look back and I go, geez, what's anchoring me as an architect today, you know, as a warm, modern, contemporary architect, it's really kind of that fundamental appreciation for what happened 50, 60 years ago and mm -hmm. understanding and really valuing the wonderful architects and their design points of view and the aesthetics that came out of that. Yeah. Um, so historical preservation in a way is kind of where I came from, um, but now taken in a different environment of Southern California. Um, being able to kind of push that forward in a much more current world. So, yeah, especially I think with the materials like um, uh, Dion Neutra, we had the opportunity right. prior to his passing. Um, he lived in one of his father's original right. designs. I think it was called the Reunion Home in Silver Lake. So we got yeah. to do some filming there, and it was very, really wonderful. And one of the things to even see like the sliding glass, you know, it was. The father had mm, created right. this for the family to kind of come together and hang out. And really, um, Dion had kept it very authentic. It was still very user-friendly, you know, many decades later. Um, but I but I do 
think it's wonderful to see all the innovations, particularly in like, for instance, glass that makes those right. the, the dream of what a Neutra had, you know, or the people uh -huh. coming out of the Bauhaus, you know, like 1920, right. that they're able to realize the philosophical visions. There's just a lot happening technologically. And I'm curious if there's anything kind of floating your boat lately that's just happening on oh, the tech man. front or materials or. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's so much and it, it's, it's crazy to think. I, it, it does feel like there's this digital renaissance right now. I mean, we always know that things are escalating. There's new things and gadgets are coming up. But I would say the Thanks. last year or two, not only within our design industry, but worldwide, but just the impact that AI has. I mean, uh, I think everybody at this point in time knows what chat GBT is and things of that yeah. level. But for us and how it applies to our, our technology and kind of how our design process works is it's allowed us to standardize and modernize a handful of different parts about what we used to do by hand and or uh, need to uh, our process to come out of the box thinking about different creative ideas. There's shortcuts to be able to spur new ideas that we may not have thought about. You know, hmm. uh, artificial intelligence is helping with that, just kind of be able to, you know, like it's almost like using Google and just typing in, you know, show me something heroic and cantilevering over an ocean. And they'll spit out 50 different images. And in a way, they're almost like inspirational. It's like Pinterest, right? It's just a different way of using it. But it's pushing us and allowing us to tap into resources and new ideas that we otherwise, it would just take us a little longer to get to. So oh. I think things like that are really starting to further promote new ideas in mm -hmm. design as a whole. But within architecture, I think you're going to see residences or buildings starting to look very different you know gone are the really? four walls of the flat roof i think you're seeing things that are much more organic now things that feel like they blend into the environment there's just a lot of different ideas right now that are permeating primarily because we're not so much in our head anymore and stuck with what we know as historical presence that there's computers and artificial intelligence right now that are kind of pushing the envelope about what we can now conceive as what a new building looks like. So like, for example, if, you know, if we were to do another project in Dubai, it would be interesting to, you know, figure out through AI, well, what is a modern, warm, contemporary residence looks like in Dubai? And I'm sure it would spit out something fantastical, right? Just an image, an inspirational image, an artist rendering. And then it's just enough to be able to spark something that goes, huh, I never thought about doing a swoopy roof. But that works because they're playing off of the sand dunes. I, I don't know, you know. Whereas we might be stuck with some other kind of ideas that we've just, you know, always had in our mind. So I think right. technology in general is going to be this incredible thing that continues to push, you know, not only our industry and profession moving forward, but the world. There's no doubt right. it's making an impact already. So, well, so much of what KA does is again considering the landscape, the climate, the outdoors. That's like a starry role. And so I have a couple Costa Rica images, um, but you can also go to KA Design your website as well. Which you guys do a great job of of having that on there. Um, so the idea of having kind of an island residence, and and I think in this case you guys did such a great job of of that. I know it's that word of seamlessness. But of, of like right. again, just even making the outside not just having it be invisible, but um, making it grander in a sense, like being able to appreciate right. 
the virtues of the outdoors while you're inside in, yeah. in a way that you wouldn't even if you were sitting on the beach. Right. Yeah. And, and in that project in particular, the Costa Rica project you mentioned. So that project was really fun because, again, um, I mean, it's not so different from, say, Southern California because in a way the climate, the terrain, there's things that mm-hmm. I think they're, they're similar, but it does take a little bit of a different approach. And so for that particular project, you'll see through maybe a handful of renderings and images that you yeah. have is that, you know, the house aesthetically looks like a Los Angeles home. It has some very modern lines, some of the detailing, the form is, it's not unfamiliar to what we would have seen. But what's really different and fun for us was that house just sits on a very um, severe terrain with very vertical trees that pop up into it. And so, you know, one opportunity would have been, let's just kind of sit bare ourselves into the terrain and then you're just looking out onto this beautiful vista. But our clients wanted to be um, a little more adventurous and really push the idea of having these massing volumes, the living room, the bedroom, yeah, the cancer mm-hmm. lever out into yes. the tree canopies. <laughs> And so it creates a very dynamic structure that one acknowledges that we're on a sloping hillside, but also has a little fun and levity that says, hey, we want to push these parts of the building out into that tree canopy over there. And so it takes a little bit of a a different mindset for somebody to go, that's kind of cool and fun to be able to push something out versus, you know, let's kind of stay back, stay conservative, and let's just kind of take advantage of this wonderful view. So that project is all about creating this dynamic element and form and connection to the site based on how we're reaching out cantilevering, but also kind of playing into the hillside and the the terrain that kind of rolls away from you. Right. Are you surprised that architecture has held you for this long? Like, whenever you speak about it, you're always very, um, you seem to enjoy, I mean, you obviously are very good at communicating about architecture and about projects. And um, are you surprised you've loved it this long? If you do love it, I, I don't want to assume. Ooh, great question. You know what? I, um, I'm i not surprised. And, I, and, I, and, I'll, and, I, and I, I, I would say it's just a, maybe a testament to what I really appreciate about our field is that I, you do have to stay nimble. You do have to embrace change. Um, and again, it, it's probably one of the hallmarks of what makes a great firm successful for five years. For some reason, they fizzle out for the firms that Great. are longevity firms, right? And and you see this with, especially in the creative and design industry, you know, some people get very fixated on a certain style and they just can't move beyond that. And essentially that style is not in vogue anymore. People are not interested in that fashion, right? And so all of a sudden they just, they just kind of go away. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with architecture. You know, for us, how we've been able to stay nimble is just by staying ahead of the trends, not being trendy. I mean, there's certain things that we're doing that are probably consistent and maybe for somebody that looks at it, it's like kind of trendy. But I think we always try to think beyond that. How do we reinvent ourselves? How do we, you know, how do we do board form concrete in a different way next time? Let's not do it the same way we did it before. How do we use a new material? How do we export this California philosophy to Dubai? How do we reinvent what it means to live in a house, but now you live on a hill, you know? There's all these different things that I think we present to ourselves as challenges that make every project new and new and unique. And I would give a lot of credit to just even a little bit of our business platform and that, um, as you know, that we do exclusively residential homes. But beyond that, it's only for end users. I would say probably in the 25 years I've been with the firm, we've done one spec home. And that was an exception because we had a client who we were actually doing an end user home for. Um, wanted to kind of do an investment property. But in saying that, the reason why we always work with end users and 
primarily is that there's a certain relationship that you have with a client that if you're doing their home, it's very different than working for somebody who's trying to flip a property or working mm-hmm. with a board of directors that's trying to do something for a different financial goal. And because of that, and the way that our process works, every one of our projects has our client's DNA in it. I mean, that's why when you look at our work and our portfolio, it's it's very different. You know, I mean, there's certain common design threads, but aesthetically, yeah. they all represent different aspects of our personality, our, of our clients' personalities, and that's what that's what makes it fun because you know that every single one of our projects is a prototype. And so, yeah. so Grant and I kind of joke a lot about that. It, it's a tough, crazy way to run a business where you're basically doing a prototype every time you do a project. Um, right. But it's also what makes it fun. And to your point, it doesn't get boring even after uh, 20 yeah. plus years. So. Right. And I can see how um, it's it, what you said is true. If you look through the portfolio of work, everything is, it's very exciting. Like the, the, yeah. I understand what you're saying, how sometimes there's a designer and the look of the homes and it's, it's lovely. You know what I mean? They just tend to have right. a certain look and then you go, okay, that's, I could see how that's from like the late nineties or, you know what I mean? But you're, as, right. you're firm, your work is always fresh. And I know there's more to explore there because some of these things are paradoxes, right? But they work. Okay. No, uh, and, and, it, it, and I only mentioned that because of the paradoxes you mentioned is that, you know, oftentimes, sometimes our clients will come to us because of what they've seen and they would like the same thing-ish, but we're always pushing them to do something different. So that is the paradox. It's kind of, you right. know, this is what people know us for. They still want something really unique. It's like a custom dress or a suit. It's like, um, you know, I saw right. this dress on this lady and I want one. And you're like, yeah, right. but your coloring is different and you know, right. it's not going to work exactly. as much. I could see that. Um, and and I'm back to the historic preservation. I had to laugh when you were talking about how yeah. you came out to the West Coast and there were things that people were talking about being like antique or, you know what I mean, a historic right. property. Because I'm from, um, you know, I grew up and... Uh, you know, in a very old house, family house, and around a lot mm-hmm. of antiques and things from like the 17 and 1800s, like family things. Wow. And I remember I wow. came out to LA and it was like, oh, it's a antique store. And it'd be like, no, dude, that's like a Starsky <laughs> and Hutch lunchbox. That's not an antique. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is it from like, is this like, it's Paul, if it's Paul Revere's time, then that's an antique. So <laughs> it was just, uh, <laughs> But I could, it just made me think of it, especially with your background in historic preservation. Right. Is there a, I don't know, a, a genre architecturally that kind of has interested you that is historic beyond California? Anyway. And I know what you're saying about the California historic. Yeah. It's extraordinary, that aesthetic. But one that right. you just really liked. Well, like I, maybe- I, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I listen, I, I mean, it may be kind of a cop out answer, but I, I I mean, it's it's hard if you really invest yourself in it that you don't appreciate everything. I mean, what I personally gravitate to is is more so the modern um, California right. historic work, and partly just because I so much identify with the lifestyle component of what those mm-hmm. homes represent: the indoor outdoor flow, the uh, the great room idea, you know, uh, 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 living room, kitchen. Uh, dining room, all one space. There's certain lifestyle elements and suggestions about how people live that I identify with, which is different than, say, East Coast vernacular, which was much more formal. You have a formal kitchen. You have a formal dining room. And I less identify with that, but I, I greatly appreciate that. And I I, I, I still lean on those different 
ideas and concepts about what it is to do a formal house that has, you know, a home for that the master suite, you know, and why that's not appropriate anymore. It's now the primary mm-hmm. suite. There's certain mm-hmm. things that connote our, our connotations to that. So, but at the same time, you know, everything through history just kind of weaves through each other. They all inform each other. Right, um, but I would right. say that if I had to err to one or the other, I, I, I still greatly am inspired by so much of the, uh, you know, the 1950s, 60s case study homes that, you know, Pierre Iconic did or, or the international style, like you mentioned, right. the other stuff there the, with the Neutras and the Schindlers of the world. I mean, those are the, those are the original people that, that set the foundation for California modernism and mm-hmm. now other folks, our firm and so many other people are trying to carry the torch to over the next generation. So. Yeah, they're also very rational designs. Like, for instance, I'm thinking of um, yeah. colonial architecture. Like, I understand from growing up in that type of a house that rooms were often small because you needed to heat them. Um, and you right. needed to shut them off right. and keep them warm because it was freezing. It's New England and you're freezing all the time. Uh-huh. So for those <laughs> reasons. And a lot of times they just they came from England and kind of distilled those uh, what they knew into buildings and right. kept them small so i know that there's um reasons for that as well it, it tells a time it tells the story of a certain time in history just like california modernism does um yeah and, and i'm yeah, curious absolutely. um i know that i could talk to you for a long time but uh, i've had the <laughs> opportunity to interview grant kirkpatrick as well as you yeah and you both are very nice people <laughs> i have to say you're both very pleasant and you have a certain energy about you which i i could see working nicely you've had this great partnership for a long time you know we talked about these elements right. of longevity that enable that and i imagine right. the fountainhead of both of the, the partners you know many things come from that did you guys just know when you met each other was just like mm, this is like did you connect very easily yeah or did it take a while i, I would say uh, well, I would say on a superficial personality, we're very much alike. Like I can mm-hmm. go and have a beer with Grant very easily the first week I met yeah. him and, and with me. And, and so I, I think there's just a comfort factor there. That's um, nice. But when I think about the things that have really propelled us to develop our professional relationship and my ultimately becoming partner um, about 10 years ago is, is probably two things. One, just really appreciating and valuing each other's differences. Um, and mm-hmm. that's saying a lot, right? I, it's just like with any relationship. At some point in time, either you really appreciate the fact that that person is different and it's going to bring a different point of view, or they see you see it as an obstacle and burden. Like, well, I don't love that, but I can work around that. Right. And right. there's a lot of professional relationships where it feels like I'm going to work around that because there's other things. Where Grant and I, and we joke about it all the time. We we play off each other's strengths and um, negatives. You know, my blind spot is his strength, and and vice versa. And so we actively seek out each other's input just so that we're looking at something three hundred and sixty, and we really value that and support each other to acknowledge that, which gives us a certain safe space to work from. You know, it's, I'm not afraid to say that I think that design isn't great. He same thing with me. Whereas you know somebody else might, mm, I wouldn't want to say that. Um, so that's a, that's a fundamental thing. And then the other thing I, I would say over the last couple of years that we've seen that has really helped our relationship is, um, just a notion of uh, the speed of trust. Um, there's so many things that need to happen in the course of the day in terms of either running a business or designing a project where 
you can't check in with somebody or let them know about every single detail. And the way that our relationship works is that we kind of know where we stand. Uh, we trust each other to make the right decision. It's the whole notion of best of intentions. Even though I might disagree, I know that you are coming from the right place. And so it allows us to move very quickly and competently together. And if we do need to remedy something or walk an idea back, then we can do that. But we realize that we're able to move so much more effectively and quickly and with great purpose because we trust each other in our professional setting. And so, you know, acknowledging each other's differences and valuing that and then just having a fundamental strong sense of trust, um, I would say are probably the key things that have at least allowed Grant and I and actually our other partner, Erica, as well to be really kind of this strong partnership and, you know, and, and also probably a litmus as we think about future leaders with our firm, who the future partners are and ensuring that they also can, you know, bring those attributes, trust, you know, valuing differences and, you know, um, growing our, our brand that way. So. That's an important point. So there's a real acceptance. Because I see your, your the difference yeah. where sometimes it's like, oh, well, we'll grin and bear it or just like, uh, you know, not accepting really just right. going, oh, well, I accept they're different and I'll just go along with it. So you really just give up the idea that there will be constant synchronicity at all times and that difference right. actually makes for stronger projects. And then you're it does. very. It does because okay, it allows yeah. each of us a safe space to challenge each other when we're designing something. You know, right, like I might right. go, Grant, we've done that same board form wall the last three projects. What if you didn't do board form? Well, you know, for somebody who might be in a different place, they might go, I didn't ask you, why are you telling, you know, but he's embracing, or he would actually seek out and go, I don't know, Duane, I've been doing this for the last two or three projects. Is there another way to do this? You know, being vulnerable and opening yourself up oh. and seeking that that input. And that's what kind of keeps things fresh. You know, it allows each of us to kind of, of you know, manage our blind spots and our personal preferences and biases. And um, again, it, for us, yeah. it's been a very healthy dynamic in terms of um, managing our own individual careers, but also, you know, uh, directing and guiding the firm on a business level as well as on a design philosophy on the show. Right, right. And keeping everything... Um continually exciting it's not right. the same thing we're we're no. gonna have to push each <laughs> other a little bit yeah but it's done in a way that is um done in the spirit of trust okay very interesting and that makes sense so that goes to the idea of the firm be, being able to do what it has done and continuing in that way right okay right. yeah, yeah. yeah. well we trust, appreciate you know and, sorry and it, yeah, and that and that trust, you know, it plays off to our clients as well because when our clients see the fact that we have trust, then it develops trust with our client, and then again, we have the ability to do great and wonderful things that may otherwise not have happened. So, right, right, and your clients are one one of the star players in this film as well. The film that is every project, <laughs> AKA, right, right. Um, you know, if there's different right. stars in it. You, you very much um, take into account, you, wa you want and need to know everything about their lifestyle, what they do. Like, that's a big part right. of it. Again, I have yeah. probably far too much information about your project. <laughs> but whatever I've written about them, uh, people seem, they're very excited and they talk a lot about KAA. You know, obviously. Oh, that's great to hear. Exactly. And how, like, very open and, and inquiring the firm is about wanting to know yeah. like 
everything about what you're going to be doing in this house because that's how you're going to design your house. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, it always reminds me a little, again, I'm going back to the fountainhead of someone is describing a work um, home and they're saying, hey. they're saying how there's a woman in the house, right? And she is the one of the, you know, it's a, uh, a home that he has designed for a couple. And you could see and. how he even designed it for her, um, for her hair coloring and her size and how she was going to move within right. the house and how the light was going to hit her and make her look. She's already very beautiful. And, you know, it talks about, so she would look even more beautiful. It was such an intimate design. Whoa. So um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's where it gets fun. I, I think, you know, for what we do, you have to enjoy the people part. You right. know, um, right. I was just thinking about that a couple of days ago when we have we have an amazing client um, where, you know, even if we weren't doing a project for them, they're just interesting people, you know. And, and so sometimes selfishly, the opportunity to design a house is just an opportunity to really get to know somebody and understand how they oh. live, what makes them tick. And oh, by the way, it renders itself out into their home. It's it's a, literally a physical manifestation of their lifestyle and their personality. And that's why we say it's so much of it is in their DNA. And I love that. It's, it's probably the biggest reason when I get asked, you know, why do you do homes versus other buildings? And it's just because of the client aspect of it. Because I, right. I wouldn't get the same level of enjoyment or personal investment working for a board of directors or somebody who, again, is doing it for financial reasons. You know, I, I need to open this store by January, you know, regardless of whatever it is. Those are different goals and they're noble, but I, I enjoy the human element of it and being able to work with a client. And ultimately get them something that you know they're really excited and happy about so right right and that feeling i imagine that you have well honed by this point where you just that yeah. feeling you'll you'll know where you're like that's it that's it right like, does that happen right. internally is that an internal experience it does. okay yeah it does and for sure it, it, there's those little moments they're very fleeting <laughs> they come and go very quickly but when you when you get a client to understand and or one of the most rewarding times for me is be able to walk through a project at the end or near completion and they go i get it i didn't understand why you wanted to do a corner window system but now that i stand here i get it like right it, and right. for them to acknowledge and recognize that and sometimes get emotional about it it's a really powerful yeah. thing because you realize that, you know, they would have never gone there without you, but we were able to work and maybe challenge some assumptions. And again, their their mindset and their just their everything's elevated. So that's when you really feel like you've made an impact and um, in their lives. So a home like this is a triumph in someone's life. They typically yeah, embark on that. It's not just when they have the means, but when they're very happy, satisfied. Right. right. Some variant of that. Yeah. It's a a gift you give yourself. <laughs> well, Duan, thank you so much. It's, it's always very yeah. interesting speaking to you, and um, and I thank you uh, for so much that you offered out. I know you you do what you do very well, and it's nice to get a peek inside the that. old cerebellum. So thank you again. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Constance. <laughs>